Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I actually can't get that deep today because of time. We have the Super Bowl, but uh, maybe in another day I'll, I'll get you a little bit more deep because there's a lot on this topic, all right? Let's look, go with me, Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, and the NLT will be on the screen. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Now listen to this. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Uh, you could tell it's going to be good already. Pharisees are saying, hey, can, uh, can we just divorce at any time? Now, and, and watch this. They're actually going to have scripture to back it up. That's going to be shocking. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They, they, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Praise the Lord. And he said, watch this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let, one, let, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Watch this. Look at the Pharisees. Ready? Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Let me pause and say that. That actually happened. The Pharisees were quoting right. There was a certificate of divorce back in the Old Testament given for those who couldn't handle the marriage. Now look at Jesus. This is the only place in Scripture where I see in Scripture that God kind of clarifies himself that it wasn't the original will of God for that to happen. Look at what it says. Look at this. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't get a lot of amens here, but it's okay. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but I, what, what this is basically saying, there is a green light for those that are in a covenant marriage and there's uh, adultery and there's a green light, but it's always God's goal to restore even when there's sin. Now, why do I start with this scripture? This is so powerful because if you look at the tone, if you see the tone of Jesus, he was not flippant or casual at all when it came to the marriage covenant, looking at it from a covenant standpoint. Because the, the Pharisee says, hey, can we just divorce any time? And then they said, well, Moses allowed it. But look at what Jesus said. He said, yeah, he allowed it because of your hard hearts. And he did it as a concession. But it was never God's will or intention. That is crazy. Basically, God was almost counting his losses. They are so hard-hearted. Just go ahead and give them a certificate because if not, I have to kill everybody in the Old Testament. I mean, he, he just said, listen, just give them a certificate. But now in the New Testament, we understand a mystery. It was never God's intention to be flippant about marriage. I want you to, to look at this message today from a covenant standpoint, not a contract standpoint. Because marriage is not a contract, it is a covenant. Come on, say amen. amen. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Look at that up there. Because in today's society, especially in Hollywood in the, in, and in the music industry, you guys know this, it is common for people to get married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced. And some of your favorite celebrities have been married three times, four times, because they don't understand. Listen to me. I know this is going to be a little harder message than usual, but it's actually not meant to be hard. It's meant to put things back in place. 
Because we've been so far off that we just think, oh, I'm going to get married to be happy. Remember, I said this in week one, but I slipped. This should have been in week four. God's intention for marriage is not just to get you happy, is to make you holy. Because we get married to try to get happy. And when we get happy and that happiness is no longer there, we get divorced. But that's not covenant. That's contract. So marriage is not intended just so that you make you happy. Marriage is intended so that you could grow together in Christ. And that process, brother, is going to make you holy. Glory to God. It, only married folks know that. Married folks know that the worst and the best comes out of you during your marriage. And God allows it on purpose to be that way because it is a covenant. Now, why do I say this is a covenant? Because marriage is, the, is, is a covenant and it's a holy covenant. Now, what is an example of a contract? Now, it's going to be up there. There's going to be a lot of points here today. I'm going to be like Speedy Gonzalez. Okay? <laughs> Watch this. An example of covenant. Are you ready? Sorry, example of contract. Why do I say contract? Because sadly, without saying it, a lot of Christians have a contract mentality to marriage. And the first time anything goes wrong or severely wrong, because they're not rooted in what covenant means, they want to exit that marriage right away. And I want to tell you that is, uh, that is a sin. Unless there is that green light. Okay, I don't want to get into that. Now look at what a contract means. When we enter into a contract, we enter into a contract, watch this, to protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. Oh, this is good stuff. When we enter into a contract, any contract, right, we tend to enter a contract to protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. In other words, when you're about to rent a house, you get a contract that the owner of the house will repair the house when it's broken, repair the faucet, repair the roof, repair that. You, don't, you limit your responsibilities. All you got to do is give a couple of responsibilities to live in that house, but the owner is in charge to maintain the well-being of the house. That's a contract, and I want to say this. Marriage will not work in that type of mentality. Covenant relationship, any relationship, especially marriage, will not work. Watch this, watch this. If you Go into that relationship protecting your rights and limiting your responsibilities. That's a good word. It will not work if you enter the relationship trying to protect your rights and limit your responsibility. As a matter of fact, that's the opposite of covenant. I'm going to show, show you then what a covenant is. What is a covenant? Look it up there. This is powerful. Get ready to shout for this one. In a covenant, we, it's opposite. We give up all our rights, glory to God, and we broaden and accept all of our responsibilities concerning the other person we are covenant with. Take a picture of that. That's good. In a covenant, we give up all our rights. I'm going to explain that in a second. And we broaden and accept all of our responsibility concerning the other person we're in covenant with. When we entered into a covenant with the Lord, we gave up our rights. Because the Bible says we were bought at a high price. Your life is no longer your own. So when God entered into a covenant with you and I, we had to give up certain rights. But guess what? We inherited the fullness of God. We inherited the, the blessings of God. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Come on. The same spirit that, li that li lifted up Jesus and raised Jesus up now lives in you. So there's a covenant that happens in marriage, and this is the definition where we give up our rights, listen, and we broaden and accept 
our responsibility in the covenant marriage. Come on, say amen. Christianity will not work as a contract, and neither will marriage. Can I hear an amen? Now, in a covenant relationship, look, put this point up. I'm, I'm trying to speed through this. There are three main rights that we, we are called to lay down. Now, I made it easy for you. What I mean rights is remember what we talked about, contract and covenant. There's more than these three rights, but these are the three main rights that in marital covenant relationship, we are called to lay down, listen to this, so that we can have a blessed marriage. Now watch this. this is, I made it easy for you because they all start with P, right? The first right that we need to lay down, now listen to this, this is key, is the right of priority. Let me explain what that means. The first right in marriage that we need to lay down as a covenant with both of us, we need to have, we need to lay down the right of priority. What is the right of priority? The right of priority is this, that in marriage covenant, we place God first and our spouse first in our family. That should have said amen. Above every other relationship. Got quiet up in here. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Now listen to me. In a, in a marriage, the right of priority that we need to lay down is this, is that Jesus says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. That puts high priority on the marriage. Listen to me. I know that some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. The Bible says, for this reason, what reason? The reason of marriage, a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. We can't, and this is going to sound really bad, but it's not, I promise. When we get married, that's our first priority. Thank you for those three amens. You know, you know why no one say amen? Here's why. When we get married, does it mean you don't stop talking to your mom? You don't stop talking to your dad? But there's a separation. He leaves his mother and father and joined one to his wife. Right? So what that means is you can't be having uh, your mom and dad as an adult marry uh, more time in that relationship than you have more time in your marriage. Some of you don't like that because your mama's voice, right? Some of you don't like that because your mom is your best friend. And let me tell you something. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we have to honor our relationship with each other. So, so before I get, we get too crazy, all right? We have to give up our right for selfish, for our selfishness or not to prioritize me, me, me in marriage. The right of priority means that you become selfless in the marriage and you choose to prioritize your wife or your husband above yourself. Help us, Lord. Help us. That is hard to do. In a covenant, we lay down our rights. The second right we need to lay down in marriage, listen to this. I'm getting somewhere, is a right of possession. Now, that does not mean, that does not mean that you can't own anything, <laughs> fellows, you know. It can't mean, it doesn't mean that you don't own anything. Let me tell you what it means in a covenant. I'm talking about covenant this morning. I'm not just talking about goosey-loosey, relationship goosebumps. Oh, baby, I love, I love. no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about through the good, the bad, the ugly, that there is a covenant that you've got to keep. And that there's some things in marriage that is not going to look and feel good to you. 
And this, this second one, the, the right of possession, doesn't mean you can't own anything. You know what it means? This is what it means. It means that you, you, you and I have the principle of co-ownership and co-administration concerning our family affairs. Come on, some ladies need to say amen to that. It's not just the man. It's the woman, too. It's the wife, too. That the, the, the right of, listen, of possession, laying it down, means that they have access, yes, even, drum roll, please, to finances. There's this secrecy that's happening that one person doesn't know about the other's finances. There's another person. That covenant relationship means that you share in all things. That means your car is also your wife's car. That means the refrigerator you bought, she could get it too. Come on. But we don't look at it that way. We only want it one side. But yet, when we got saved, it wasn't one side with God. Oh, come on. I'm going to preach good here. When we got saved... We became adopted and we had access to all the rights and privileges of the Father, of the Lord, of the Son. Could you imagine that we as Gentiles and we got saved and now we can lay hands on people and they can get healed. And now we have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's not one-sided, my friends. You know what the Bible says? So as, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You shall lay hands on the sick, my spirit will come upon you. And the Bible says, if you are faithful to the end, you have access to all that belongs to Jesus in the book of Hebrews. That's not one-sided. When, when Jesus made a relationship with us, he made a covenant with us. And, it, and he, he laid down the right of possession. He gave that possession also to us. Come on, say Amen. Because a covenant, husbands and wives should share selflessly concerning their possessions, their house, their resources, their finances. Come on, say amen. I know we don't like that. that, but, that, that but that is important to understand. In a covenant, we need to lay down our right of possession. In other words, that it's mine, is mine, is mine. Stop that mentality. That mentality is going to cause open doors for your marriage to get in trouble. Because it will never work if you are selfish in marriage. Man, that, is, that has shaped me, and that, that is, God is still working on me on that. Because let me tell you, transparently, my wife is more selfless than I am. She is amazing. I don't say that to get brownie points. All right? When I'm, when I, when I'm sick, she'll lay down what, she, what she's doing and take care of me. And me, I'll try to massage her, and it'll hurt, you know. And she's like, ow! I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> but it's a mutual thing. Now, now listen to this. Now listen to this. That's the second thing we need to lay down in a covenant marriage. The third thing, now this is going to be good. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. Now, don't get it twisted because when you see the third one, you're going to be like, <gasps> we need to lay down our right of privacy. Now, you say, what does that mean? That does not mean that you can't be pri have private moments. I'm not saying that. Listen to this. I'm not saying you can't have private moments. In a covenant relationship, we are called to lay down our right of privacy. What does that mean? That means that in a covenant relationship, the right of privacy, we give our spouse the right to every area of our lives. Meaning, there should be no secrets in your marriage. The right of privacy means I give my spouse, listen to me, I know it's convicting to some of you, it's okay, don't elbow someone, elbow yourself. This message is for you, not just for your spouse. Listen, 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 the right of privacy in covenant 
means you allow your spouse to have access to everything in your life, and there's no secrets. My wife knows all my passwords of all my emails. I only got two, but it's okay. <laughs> she knows all my passwords. She does. She has my Amazon password. Good Lord, she does my Amazon password. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> all these boxes come into my house. <laughs> she has access to my bank account because we share the bank account. We share the same password. Let me tell you, there's no secrets. Red flag. Red flag if in your marriage you justify secrecy. Oh, boy, this is so good. Red flag if there is in your relationship, just giving you a, a, a token here, that there is some secrecy when it comes to what you have both have access to. If you if if you're saying if someone's saying hey um, where's the money going well that's just my account I could do what I want with it there's a red flag to that my brother a house divided cannot stand and neither neither can this mentality stand come on the right of privacy we need to lay down our our right of privacy but everybody say but it also means when it comes to opening up about your marriage. Your friend should not be the first one to know what's going on in your marriage first, then your spouse. When it comes to right of privacy, laying that down, you have to have an honor code in that where it, where it says this, that you, when you have an issue with your spouse, the first person that needs to hear it is your spouse, not your best friend, not even your mother, ladies. I'm just going to call mom. I'm going to give him the silent treatment. He don't know that I'm mad at him, but mom, I can't believe this. Do you know what you're doing when you do that? Every, who do you think the mom's going to side on? She loves you. You're her daughter. You're her son. When you call and be best friends with your mom and talk bad about what your husband is not doing or your wife is not doing, when you get together in family unity, who do you think there's going to be tension in the air? Why? Because someone dishonored marriage, listen, by exposing some of the things. Remember Noah when he was exposed? Come on, somebody. When Noah got drunk because of the whole earth, I mean, I don't know if I would have done that too. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's like, all the humans were gone. He's like, give me something. Give me something. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Give me something. The Bible says he got drunk because my opinion, I don't think he was a drunkard. I think he just drank too much because, guys, he saw the whole earth flooded. The whole earth, all of humanity because of sin. And now he's weeping, he's tired, and he's drinking, and he drank too much. What do I say that? What does it have to do with marriage? It's the principle of privacy. One of his sons, and he laid naked, the Bible says. He's like, bam, passed out, naked. One of his sons said, look at my dad. It's all messed up. The other two, they grabbed, they didn't even look at him. They grabbed the tunic, and they backed up, and they covered him because the Bible says they didn't want to see his nakedness. They covered his nakedness. Oh, man. The problem with some of you in marriage is that you're not covering your spouse's nakedness. And you're quick to talk about your spouse's nakedness to someone else before you resolve it with that same person. I want to give you a principle. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. In marriage, both husbands and wives in marriage, do not let the first person that you talk about issues in your marriage be your parent or your best friend. Let it be your spouse. 
You may say, well, he doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me. It doesn't matter. You are honoring covenant when you do that. You are honoring the right of privacy. Glory to God. The same way with the husbands. The, hu- the husbands, if you, if you have a wife that is just not submissive and she is just demeaning you, listen, don't talk to your buddies first. Talk to your wife. Have that hard conversation. Come on, say amen. Have that hard conversation. Why? Because if you don't, you will open doors to the enemy to come into your marriage and divide your marriage. Because what that will breed is a breed of gossip and slander that you sometimes have to repent of. I understand when you're in counseling together, there's a time for that. But don't spew the people's junk to others. That's the right of, 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 of privacy. Say amen. Our marriage is a covenant. Put that up. And we need to guard it, protect it, and honor it at all cost. Oh, this is a good message, but it's hard sometimes. Because we have learned that sometimes, you know, our moms, our parents, they're our best friends. But we need to honor marriage in this right. Amen. Now, the biblical role of marriage in Hebrews, sorry, in Ephesians 5, the very famous one, actually speaks of a covenant d- definition. The actual role of a husband and wife actually speak of what we're talking about, covenant. Actually, in a, in a way, defines what covenant is. Super selfless. Super yielding. Guess what? Here's the number one thing that Ephesians 5, we're going to read it. And every, every counselor, every marriage counselor, one thing that you could do, if, if everyone does this, there'll be less marriage counseling. Ready? If everyone dies. <laughs> I'm not talking about physical death. When, if, if both parties seek to go low and die, listen, you will have a healthy marriage. Now look at what he, uh, how do I say Hebrews all the time? Look at what Ephesians say, says in Hebrews. <laughs> in Ephesians, maybe there's something in Hebrews I need to read. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Now this is the famous scripture, but I want to read it again because I want to I drive home that marriage is a covenant on the good days, the bad days, and the horrible days, and the ugly days. Even when they have stanky breath, even when they have messed up hair, even when they, listen, they are not as healthy as they used to be. You can't base your marriage on looks and attraction only. It's a covenant that we enter not only with each other, listen, listen, but with the Lord. The Bible says, he who has joined one spirit is one spirit with the Lord. Then the Bible says, what God, everybody say God, put together. That means God is in the midst of putting the husband and wife together. He's in that covenant. Listen, fellas and ladies, the best time to practice covenant is when you see weakness and hurt in your spouse. That is not the time to to be bothered by that weakness. It's time to cover and help and be a helpmate. I believe, now this is going to be controversial. I'm going a little ahead of myself. I'm going to say this is going to be controversial, all right? I believe that a, a, a man cannot complete, a husband cannot complete his full potential without his wife. I believe a wife cannot complete her full potential without a husband. Oh, I'm going to preach a little bit here. This is a little, little sidetrack. God created everything, and he called it good, 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 good. I saw that. That's good. That's good. That, oh, that, 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 that giraffe is good. That lion is good. That firmament is good. There's only one thing after he said good, 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 that he stepped back and goes, this is not too good. He said it's not good for man to be alone. 
Listen to this. He said, this is good. And I created this on this day. And that's good. He called it all good. He goes, I, and he made man. And he goes, good. He, he made the firmament. It's good. Then he stepped back and he looked at Adam. He goes, this is not good. It's not good, listen, for man to be alone. To fulfill now, there are rare exceptions where God calls people to celibacy, and 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 that's great. God gives you grace for that. But let me tell you, in a covenant relationship, please hear me now. I am the man that I am because of a nurturing father. But make no mistake about it, I would not be the man. That's right, I said man, that I am without a nurturing side of my mother and the honoring nurturing side of my wife. <laughs> Glory to God. Man, I wouldn't know what I'd be sometimes without my wife. We can't complete our full potential apart from each other. And that's the whole beauty of Christianity, that even in Christianity, we can't do it by ourselves. We can't be a lone ranger and be successful. Say amen. Watch this. And furthermore, verse 21, furthermore, 21, in, in, verse, in, in, he, in Ephesians chapter 5. Furthermore, listen, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now look at this, guys. This is famous, but let's, wives, just listen to it from a pure covenant standpoint, not from a he's trying to manipulate me standpoint. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. By the way, this is a, this is a command, not a suggestion, okay? For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, now, you know, we think, oh, you know, oh, yeah, you got to submit to me. Yeah, look at the husband's role. This means, husbands, you need to love your wives just as Christ loves the church and how he gave up his life. For her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. He did this, giving up his life, to, to present her to himself, the church, as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Look at this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Whoa. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Listen to this. No one hates his own body but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. I know this is a long reading, but this is important. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are one, united in one. Now watch this. Remember what I said in the beginning? I'm going to prove it here in scripture. This is a great mystery. What is a great mystery? The marriage role. Watch this. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. He's talking about husbands and wife. He goes, this is a mystery. Husbands and wife, when we get this right, this is an illustration to the whole world of Christ and, and his people being one and the father being one. Right? So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect or honor his husband. There's two main things here uh, that I can't get too much into, but I highly recommend a book called uh, Love and Respect. Because the main thing that a wife needs is a loving husband. And that translates in a lot of things. I'm going to share a little bit with it at the end of my message because I can't get it all today. But one of the main things that a man needs is honor and respect. I'm telling you, 
Men are built this way. If we feel disrespected or dishonored, especially by our spouse, that will trigger a lot of things that are not healthy. When men do not love their wives and not serve their wives as Christ loved the church, it will trigger an open door. Let me tell you something. If you don't pay attention to her, someone in the office will. Same thing, vice versa. So, so watch this. Both require a death to our own flesh in order for us to be fulfilled. It's very easy to read the scripture. Listen to this. This is key. It's very easy to read the scripture and men, and men say, yeah, wives, they need to submit to me. Or it's very easy to read the scripture and wives say, I ain't going to submit. I don't have to submit to him because he ain't loving me like Christ loved the church. I'm going to say that again because you guys missed it. It's very easy to say, as I've heard this before, right, in counseling. I've heard it before, even in my own life. I don't have to submit to you because you're not doing everything that the Bible says about me. Now watch this. That's a contract. It's not a covenant. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Look at this next slide. Look at this slide. This is key. Our fulfillment and obedience to the biblical role as husband and wives has absolutely nothing to do whether or not our spouse is fulfilling their role in their marriage. Our fulfillment and obedience to the biblical role as husband and wives have absolutely nothing to do whether or not our spouse is fulfilling their role in marriage. Come on, say amen. Because this is the covenant, and whether that person's doing it or not, you are still responsible to hold your end of the bargain. Because I'm going to share some good news for you, and I'm going to say it in just a little bit. Listen, you have the opportunity, if you stay obedient, to actually bring healing and sanctification to that house and to that marriage, even if, uh, if another person in your marriage is not totally living right. If you're living right, you could actually not only get them saved, but sanctify your whole family. I'm not going to prove that in a second. This is crazy. But listen, in a marriage covenant, someone has to be willing to be the redeemer. Woo! That means when someone's not doing their part, that means you got to be willing to be cut and sacrificed so that in, uh, in, in, in future times that that person will come to full healing. You know that one of the definitions of covenant? Cut. Come on, I'm preaching good here. One of the definitions of, look it up, of the word covenant means to cut. To cut in blood or to cut an oath. Someone has to be willing to be cut in order to restore what is not there. But if you're acting the same, if you're saying, if you're saying, I don't have to submit to my husband because he is not loving me as Christ loved the church, you are just as guilty. Or if the husband says, says, I'm not going to love you because you're not submitting to me and you're not honoring me, you're just as guilty. Guess what? Listen to me. Listen to me. Because God, everybody say God. He didn't wait, listen, till we got it right. When we were yet sinners, come on, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were sin, he didn't say, I'm going to wait for you all to get right, then I'm going to love you. He goes, no, while you're still dirty and you're still mad at me and you're still crazy at me and you're still rebellious, I'm going to die for you. Hallelujah. That is covenant. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is that marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. And if you're willing or wanting to get married, you better be willing to be cut and sacrificed and die. Because this is the key to our marriage. Now, 
uh, I'm doing really good in time, so I want to share, share uh, one or two final main responsibilities that we have to pick up in a covenant marriage, right? So I lay down the, the rights that we have to lay down. Now, there are some responsibilities that we have to pick up. Everybody say pick up. Now, remember, the definition of, of covenant means we accept our responsibilities, and we broaden all of our responsibilities, right, so that we could be in covenant with other person. One, is the, one of the main things that we have to pick up the responsibility is the responsibility to love. Listen, unconditionally. Everybody say love. Now, this is going to be a little deeper than what you think. It's not just a fluffy love. It's not emotional love, what I'm talking about here. It's not feeling love. Because if, if we're completely honest with each other, there are sometimes you don't have the feeling type love, right? The goosebump type love. You've been married for 20 years. But there is a love that needs to permeate, and this is something that has to be picked up if marriage is going to work. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. This is good. In the context of marriage, are you getting something this morning? This is what love states. Look at this. This is, this is deep. In the context of covenant marriage, love states, quote, I assume the responsibility to love you, or my spouse, according to the standard of Christ's love, listen, and to never justify any action or word that falls below that standard. Say that again. What does love say in a marriage, in a covenant, in a covenant? This is what love says. I love you even if you do me right or do me good or do me wrong. A covenant says, I assume the responsibility to love you according to the standard of Christ's love. Oh, watch this. That's key. And to never justify any action or word that falls below that standard. Look at me. Look at me. I want you to know something about God's love. It is unconditional. I say it's unconditional. We can never do anything to God to get him to stop loving us. We could be, he could be grieved. Listen, he could, he could be saddened by our, our decisions. He could be angered, but he could never stop loving us. Oh, man, that is so powerful. God, the Holy Spirit could be grieved by our actions. There, there could be wrath from the Lord. There is wrath from the Lord, okay, for, for nations and, and perpetual sin, right? There is grieving. There is hurt. But he can ne- he, we can never do anything to get God to stop loving us. That is covenant. He entered into covenant with us. Look at what he said to the backslider. Backslider, I'm married to you. Come back. Woo. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute, and I'm going to give you love for her, and she's going to be unfaithful to you, but you're going to feel how I feel about my people, that I'm still married to them whenever they do wrong, whenever they do bad, and when they leave me, I still love them. I'm pursuing them. That is the same way that it has to work in our marriage. When your wife doesn't do right, you keep on loving. When your husband doesn't do right, you keep on loving. Let me tell you something. We have the ability, we have the ability, and in just a minute, we're going to have the worship team up here, to actually heal our home if we stay in the right path in this area. Oh, God, this is so good. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the believers that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says he loved the whole world, the whole world, the ugly world, the bad world, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the messy, the stinky world. He loved the world. Why do we in marriage say, I will only show love when that person does something to me? A covenant says, watch this, this is deep. Even if you don't meet my needs, I will seek to meet yours. 
Ooh, boy, that's, that's, a little, that's a little heavy for some of y'all. But it's Bible. It's the Bible. Christ, listen, no love is greater than this, that a man laid down his life for a friend. And Jesus demonstrated by dying on the cross for you and I. And we became his bride. You have to understand in marriage and those of you who are not married or you've suffered divorce, there's still healing for you. I'm telling you, there's healing for you. But I'm going to say something very important because marriage really works when you say to your spouse, ready? No matter what you do, I'm still going to love you. Can you really say that? No, no, no. <laughs> Pause, really. Come on. Come on. Let's think about it. No matter what you say, I'm going to love you. That's hard for me to swallow too. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. It's hard for me to swallow. I got a little gangster street in me. <laughs> Come on, Matt. <laughs> it's hard. You know, that old nature comes up. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Love always wins. Love always wins. When you love unconditionally, that force of love is going to convict that person, is going to cause that marriage and that family to be restored. Why? Because love is unquenchable. Um, what you signed up for when you got married, guys, is a covenant, not a contract. So don't treat it as a contract. Treat it as a covenant. Honor your wife. Love your wife. Go low and serve your wife. Women, wives, listen, it's beautiful in the sight of God when you submit and honor your husband. Because watch this. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this because it's important. There's a... It, it, um, in a contract and a covenant, if, if you don't fulfill your responsibility in the contract, I don't got to fulfill mine. Isn't that true? In a, in a contract, if you don't fulfill your part of the agreement, I don't got to fulfill mine. But in a covenant, mm, even if you don't fulfill it, I'm going to fulfill mine. Preach that, Holy Ghost. I'm trying. They ain't listening. Come on, say amen. You know what Colossians 3 says, when you do everything unto the Lord, even in your marriage, the reward you will get from him is because you do it unto him. Husbands, wives, if your spouse is not playing their role in loving you well, serving you well, submitting you, themselves to you, you keep on doing what's right. When you do it to the Lord, look what Colossians 3 says. Oh, this is so good. I'm almost done here, guys. Are you getting something? Work diligently, sorry, willingly, or at whatever you do, verse 23. As though, everybody say, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. I feel this from the Lord. God, this is for somebody. The Lord sees your secret obedience when you're striving to restore your marriage and that other person is not willing. He sees that because you're doing it unto the Lord. Woo! When you do it unto the Lord, you know what's going to happen? God will take care of it. Now watch this. Are you ready for this? This is the good part. And then we're going to have the, the worship team come in. Listen to this. A loving husband, put that up there, can heal a dishonoring wife. And an honoring wife can heal an unloving husband. Oh, boy. That, I'm, I'm going to. This is so good. A loving husband. Come on, husbands. A loving husband. Pop that pride, husbands. All right? A loving husband could heal a dishonoring wife. See, two fires only make more fire. Well, she's not honoring me, so I'm, I ain't going to love her. And it's two fires. It's like, how crazy would it be if there's a fire in this building? I say, quick, grab a torch and throw it over there. <laughs> but that's what we do in marriage, right? 
It's fire and fire. But listen, someone's got to be water. And water is seen like weakness, but it's actually more powerful than fire. Watch this. And an honoring wife, listen to me, please. This is important. An honoring wife can heal an unloving husband. I'm speaking to someone today that you may be in a, in a marriage and you're serving God and your spouse is not. Now listen to this. This is crazy what I'm about to say. Paul the Apostle expounds on this. And I don't have time because I could get really deep. When I do my, my Sermon on the Mount, which I've never done here in full, I, I'm going to expound on this right here. But in 1 Corinthians 7, put that up there. If you want marriage scriptures, ready? Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7, all of it. It's like, whoa. That's, that's like... You know, 1 Corinthians 7 is like the marriage uh, revelation in the Bible. I'm just going to be honest, okay? Now, uh, just to give you context, before uh, I have the worship team up, come up here, Paul is talking about, now please listen to me because I don't want to confuse you. What I'm about to say is a little deep, but I have to dig into a little bit deeper. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, especially in a marriage covenant, okay? All right? What Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians is when two unbelievers get married, and in the process of time, one of them gets saved. Do you hear me? You follow me, right? So in other words, two, two, two people that are not saved, they get married, and then in the process of time, one of the spouses get encountered by God, and the other spouse is like, ah, I'm not feeling that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't want that, right? I'm not going to get too deep into that, but the Bible says, the Bible says if someone leaves a marriage covenant be, be, because of your faith, that that person is no longer in bondage. The person that stays is no longer in bondage. But, the Bible says, but. The Lord desires, I want you to see how the principle is that an honoring wife and a loving husband can actually heal and sacrifice the home. Watch this. Even when the other spouse is not doing it. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's worthy. And listen, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You held ground while the other person wasn't doing right, and now you fast forward and you have a healthy marriage, and you're still together because one person decided to hold on. Oh, man. Here goes 1 Corinthians 7, and then we're going to pray. Oh, this is so good. Verse 10. Here it is. Are you ready? Say amen. But for those who are married, now listen carefully. With the, don't get confused, okay, because this is a little deep. I, Paul, have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. Listen to me. A wife must not leave her husband. Pretty plain. But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now look at verse 12. This is the, the, where it gets really deep, guys. But there's hope. Everybody say hope. Everybody say a loving husband could heal a dishonoring wife. Come on. A honoring wife. Could heal an unloving husband. Watch this. Watch verse 12. Now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer. Now remember that, the context. It wasn't I'm endorsing uh, uh, unequally yoked. It's after they got married, one of them got saved, right? So if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, whew, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman, listen, or wife, has a husband, listen to me, who is not a believer, you, you, feel, you follow me? And he is willing to continue living with that woman of faith, she must not leave him. I'm going to shout now. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage. And the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. I didn't write that. That's the Bible. 
Otherwise, your children will not be holy. It's talking about the lineage of salvation, okay? Watch this. But if the husband or wife who, has, who isn't a believer insists on leaving, who isn't a believer, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, if the, okay? Now watch this. For God has called you to live in peace. Now here is the golden scripture. Please highlight this. Don't you know, wives, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? Don't you know, wives, that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you know, husbands, don't you realize that your wives might be saved because of you? The Bible says that when there is no other secondary part of that marriage that is right with God, and you're still right with God, that your holiness, your obedience, could not only save the marriage, could save the husband, could save the wife. Come on, say amen. I want the worship team to come up here. This is so good. Man, I'm actually doing good in time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I am called to live in covenant with my spouse. I want you to say this. A covenant is unbreakable. Do you have that slide up? A covenant is unbreakable. Look at this. Say this with me. A covenant is irrevocable, unconditional, and unbreakable. I'm going to close in just a moment. But the other thing we have to pick up is honor. And this is where I'm closing. We have to pick up the responsibility of love in our marriage, and we need to pick up the responsibility of honor. Everybody say honor. Now, if you're single or you used to be married, please don't think that this is not for you. There's hope to redeem what was lost. But I would want to say something that I, it's not in my notes that I feel in, my Holy, in the Holy Spirit here. Men or husbands or wives, listen to me now. Get this covenantal meaning deep in your heart, deep in your heart, because some of you are ready to quickly leave your husband or your wife just because they're distant from you or just because they're not praying like they should or they're not giving you attention. All that is bad and that hurts. I get it. I get it. But when we're talking about covenant, we're talking about a whole different thing and it's not a contract. You're doing it unto the Lord and the Lord's going to protect you. He's going to protect your family. But sometimes, watch this, just so, everybody say sometimes. God is allowing this to be highlighted so he can highlight something in you that needs to change. If I could just be really honest with you, no husband is going to convert to the Lord if you're constantly nagging him on how bad he doesn't come to church and why he's not doing this. And, why, and no wife is going to do the same thing. You just start loving you just start praying, you start worshiping, you start being there even if they're not there. Listen, Jesus did that all the time for us, and we need to start doing that for our spouse. You should start loving, you start caring, even when you don't get it in your own. And you're going to see, you're going to see that the honoring wife will bring sanctification to the home. Oh, hallelujah. Now look at what, what honor means in a covenant. It's up there. I assume, I say I assume. That's a little typo. I assume, assume. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> I assume the responsibility to honor you 
and to do everything possible to help you achieve your highest potential and God's perfect will in your life. That's what honor means. If you have a spouse, turn to them right now. Say this, say this, just even by faith. Say it. No, put that, put that up there. Just repeat this after me. Say, I assume the responsibility to honor you and to do everything possible to help you achieve your highest potential and God's perfect will for your life. Look at me. That's what covenant means. Listen. Covenant means that you will continue to bow low. You will continue to humble yourself and honor. The word honor describes putting others before you. Thank you, Lord. It's a two-way street. In a marriage covenant, honor speaks of a two-way street where each person is actively trying to treat their spouse in high regard and seek to be a helpmate to them. Let's agree that we will have a covenant mindset from now on. Now, there's some practicalities that have to happen that I didn't talk about. In covenant means that you stick with the person, that you seek restoration, that you don't seek to abandon. Now, yes, there's there's some uh, green lights in the Bible, but even in the green lights, God seeks to restore you're going to hear something powerful next week. Not going to, I'm not going to spoil it, but next week you're going to hear a powerful testimony. Powerful. Someone from our own people. That they were on the brink of divorce, but one of them held on. One of them held on. And I saw they had the divorce papers and they were ready to do it. They held on to it, guys. And because of that, God radically restored their marriage. But it took work. Glory to God. You, you have to understand that that is covenant. This is my opinion. Whether this person knew it or not, the person that held the paper said, I still believe in covenant. I still believe in a miracle working God. I still believe in the last minute turnaround, the last hour. And that scripture that I read happened. Don't tell me it's just a historical document. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen a loving a loving wife hold on and save their entire marriage. I've seen a loving husband. I've seen them. They've come to me. The wife left them for two, three years. He held on. He could have, he had the green light. He held on because of covenant and he kept loving. He went low. It caused a lot of humility in his life. And God supernaturally, I saw it with my own eyes years ago, They hugged each other and they wept and they repented. They have beautiful children now. God is a God of restoration. If we treat marriage like like God treats us, we will have healthy homes. Amen. Could you stand up for me, please? Guys, if you could help me with this up here.
Just close your eyes for a, for a minute, guys. Everybody say, Lord, help me to understand covenant. It's giving up my rights and broadening my responsibilities for my spouse. Let me have a covenant mindset, not a contract mindset. When things go wrong, let me pick up the responsibility to remain godly. And church number two, let's also confess that we will pick up our biblical responsibility of love and honor. We lay down our rights of privacy, we lay down our right of, of possession, and we lay down our right of priority. Today, I want to encourage you, while your eyes are closed, I want to encourage you, loving wife, keep on loving. Honoring wife, keep on honoring. You say, I'm tired, I'm drained. Yes, I know. But if you continue to humble yourself, the Bible says that you can save the marriage and you can sanctify the home. Husbands, if there's this honor in your home, keep on loving, keep on going low, keep on serving your wife as Christ loved the church. You will see a miracle happen. You will see a miracle happen. I declare that over you right now. I declare over every marriage and every family that they will remain strong and love each other. There's practicalities like spending time with each other and going on on dates and honoring each other. But let's make this a culture, guys. Let's make honoring each other a culture. Let's make going out on dates a culture. Let's make fanning the flame a culture. But here's what I hear the Lord saying. Stop murmuring about your spouse. I can say anything, but that's what highlighted to me. You will never win your spouse with murmuring, complaining. That is one of the things that got the Lord the most angry about the children of Israel is that they kept murmuring and complaining after God was doing so many things. Now, in this case, God was doing all the right things. But when your spouse is not doing the right thing, the Lord says, if you complain, you're opening up doors for darkness. I hear the Lord saying, close the door right now as we sing. Close whatever door you have opened in your marriage with each other, whether it's by the words that you say, whether it's by you not honoring your husband, whether you husband's not loving your wife and serving your wife and being demanding, whatever that is, I want you to close the door. Come on. Come on. Right now, just close your eyes and lift up your hands and worship team go. some adjustments right now in my heart with my mouth I make a commitment to keep honoring to keep loving even when they don't do it to me because you're working on my behalf you're working on my marriage you're bringing us together starts with me Lord come on 
Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.